0: Pastor Xavier Reese says doing right things with the wrong attitude is inconsistent.
1: He alone sees all things in the motive of the heart, and He will reward us, not for how much we've done or what we have done, but He's going to reward us for the attitude in which we've done it, 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Fasting, prayer, or any other thing, while being disobedient to the good works is self-deception and
0: self-judgment. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Regarding what God expects from His children, Micah 6, 8 says, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So when the Old Testament Israelites' way of worship became nothing more than pretense, God called on the prophet Isaiah to confront their sinful attitude. Today, Pastor Xavier poses a similar challenge to examine the motive of our own hearts on today's Simple Truths. Let's listen.
1: The prophet Isaiah has just finished revealing all of Israel's abominable practices that were going on during the reign of Ahab and Manasseh. God tells Isaiah to warn his people, calling them to true righteousness, which is characterized by three elements. He begins with the confrontation of their sin, Notice first, in verse 1 and 2, the accusations regarding the people's unrighteousness is declared. He was to declare to the house of Jacob their sin. The name Jacob represents the conniver, the deceiver, the self-willed man. This is the position of Israel at the time. They were taking pleasure in inquiring of God for his ways as if their disobedience did not separate them from God. Listen. Read Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that he cannot save, nor is his ear heavy, that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. When there is sin in your life or mine, God removes himself from us. There is no fellowship. Okay? Sin must be confessed. That's why 1 John 2, 1 says, My little children, I write these things unto you that you do not practice sin. But when you stumble and fall, you have an advocate, a lawyer for the defense, Jesus Christ the righteous. Notice God says, They ask of me the ordinance of justice. They take delight in approaching me. So they had a false sense of security in that they possessed and knew the will of God rather than seeing their greater responsibility and accountability. False security without realizing the greater judgment. And notice, secondly, in verse 3 and 4, the words of the people are used as a witness against them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Whoa. The form is disrespectful sarcasm against God. Much like the book of Malachi. Where have we robbed you of tithes? Where have we done this and that? People blame God and the church for many things. Why has God allowed this to happen? Why did my husband leave me? You know, I came to the Lord, and, and he didn't save my husband, and he's gone. Well, as if God did that to make your life miserable. They were complaining that it did not pay to serve God. And you have to be careful, because the longer you walk with God, these are the sins prone to your life and mine. To all of a sudden say, well, I don't know why I should serve God. You know, I, you know, I lost my job. And, you know things aren't going that right, and you know as if God owes us something, as if our misery is directly related to God's doing. Without realizing that we live in a fallen world and we live with fallen men and women, and that they have free choice and they bring about things, and even though we may be obedient to God, their lives will affect ours. But God knows the end from the beginning, and He's in control of my life, and I'm to submit myself to Him in my sufferings as a faithful Creator. First Peter four nineteen says. In verse 3 at the end, there and 4, the charges of God against the people now are given. So they've accused God. Now God accuses them. God reveals their hearts. Rather than being broken in heart, they took pleasure in the day of their fast, making it dead orthodoxy. It was an outward ritual void of any inner sincerity. In other words, hypocrisy as the Pharisees when Jesus exposed them on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Anytime you start going through motions and through ritual and then you appease yourself with that without having a true heart relationship, then that's duplicity hypocrisy. They were using the fast to enrich themselves monetarily rather than spiritually spiritually. They lost perspective. They've lost the connection. This was the confrontation of their sin by Isaiah. Notice secondly, the correction for their sin is found in verse 6 to 12. The intended purpose of God's fast was revealed. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To lose the bonds of the wicked? The abusive enslavement of individuals and oppressiveness. In Jeremiah's time, in fact, they had released some of these slaves and then they changed their mind and enslaved them back again in Jeremiah 34, 8 through 22. You see, man may do something, but then when it starts affecting his pocketbook, then he says, well, you know, and he starts reasoning and and changing his mind. To undo the heavy burdens, the injustice of, of overburdening men and women dealing unrighteously with them. To let the oppressed go free, the afflicted and crushed, literally, who had served their years of service but were still being pressed to serve. And that you break every yoke, all that was unjust and unrighteous, dealing with their fellow man. He goes on into the next chapter and deals with all specific issues of injustice of the courts and, and, and just the horror that nobody could get justice. This is our day. I would not want to go to court in American justice today. Now, if you're guilty, you probably have a good chance. But if you're innocent, God help you. It's time when we have to take the blindfolds off the lady with the scales and put a wallet in her scales. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? When they denied themselves from fasting, they should have taken that bread and given to someone less fortunate. And that you bring to your house the poor... Who are cast down to be hospitable, merciful, compassionate to those less fortunate. When you see the naked, that you cover him. They were to make word and deed one when they had the ability. Once again, each of us are responsible. When? How much? To who? Can't do it to everybody. And not hide yourself from your own flesh. Do not simply excuse the responsibility by th- from their brethren by turning their heads and ignoring it. And just, well, you know, I can't really. You know, just excuse one thing after another. Galatians 6.10 tells us that we're not to grow weary in well-doing. We're to do it. So we shouldn't get discouraged because there's people that abuse the church and, and lie. We're still to look out and meet the need when the need is there. There's that balance. Got to work through it. Now notice secondly here in verse 8 through 12, the benefit of God's fast is declared. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. The benefit refers to the suddenness of the right standing before God. When you do this, it's like the light of the morning. It's like the healing springs speedily. God will see it. God knows it, and he'll answer. Your Your standing will be right with God the minute you do it. And your righteousness shall go before you, meaning that God will see and acknowledge. God doesn't have to be told of anything. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. In other words, God would be present with them and be their protector. You see, when you're walking with God, God protects you. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am, if you take away the yoke from your midst, the point of the finger, and the speaking wickedness. The point of the finger is a reference to the accusing someone in a condescending way, speaking wickedness. This is the parallel to pointing the finger. You are speaking in an agitated, expressive way when anger, trying to intimidate and accusing a person. You dirty. There you go. He said, "If you knock this off, man, the minute you pray, I'll answer that fast." If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as the noonday. In other words, God will not ignore the mercy and kindness having been given to the needy. Those who are less fortunate than most recognize as a true work of righteousness. He sees it. The Lord will guide you continually. God would steer them through life. What else can we desire than to be steered of God? So many obstacles in life, so many difficulties, so many pitfalls that he would steer us. And make a left, make a right. Don't go there. I don't. This is good. This is bad. Nope. Yep. Stop. <laughs> it's great. And satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You should be like water gardens and like the springs of water whose waters do not fail. In other words, God would be sufficient for the day of need, quenching their spiritual thirst and cause them to be strong in perseverance. Even in Psalm 1, the tree planted by the waters, like the the hearth or the deer that pants after the water brook, in Psalms 42, 1 and 2. Now hopefully you know something about that. I know something about that. As I walk with God and then those difficult times come and those things that I don't understand or those issues and those those times when, you know, it's just me and God. My wife can't help me. My children can't help me. Nobody can. It's just me and Him and I have to wait upon God. I have to hear His voice. I have to be led by Him. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall rise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Of course, this is speaking about the return of the captivity fulfilled by Zerubbabel, Ezra, Nehemiah. Ultimately, this will be the fulfillment in the millennial kingdom. But here he's talking about the Babylonian captivity coming. Those who are obedient, he's going to bring them back. He's going to protect them through the captivity. He's going to be there. In fact, God has sent Ezekiel. He's got Jeremiah in Jerusalem, and he's got Ezekiel in in, in Babylon. He has sent prophets. He has prepared the way for them. Micah the prophet said this. He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you. Listen well. To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Micah 6.8. It's a great verse to remember. Real simple. The reason an individual seeks God in fasting or any other form of spiritual discipline is to allow God To live through them, even as Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ is in me. In the life that I now live, I live by the face of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He needs to increase. I need to decrease. To put on the mind of Christ, Philippians 2.5. To be a servant like my master, Mark 10.45. Not coming to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom as my master. To provide the distinguishing mark of the church in my life, agape love, John 13, 35. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. You have loved one for another. The only reward that a person should be seeking is to know that they are pleasing the Lord who tests the heart. Second Thessalonians 2, 4 tells us that. He alone sees all things and the motive of the heart. And he will reward us, not for how much we've done or what we have done, but he's going to reward us for the attitude in which we've done it. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Why have we done it? Any spiritual discipline that is practiced like fasting, prayer, or any other thing, while being disobedient to the good works is self-deception and self-judgment. You cannot come before God and not do what he's told you to do. It's inconsistent. Being just a hearer, not just not a doer of the word, deceiving yourself, as James 1.22 says. Being under the very same woes that Jesus pronounced to the scribes and Pharisees in Matthew 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. See, Jesus didn't say they were teaching the wrong things. They were teaching, right? But they weren't living it. This was the correction for their sin. Not only points the air, he gives a correction. Notice, thirdly, the consternation at their sin in verse 13 and 14. First, in verse 13, they were dishonoring God by violating the Sabbath. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day. God points the Sabbath as one of their major violations, even from the beginning, chapter 1, verse 13. He mentions it in chapter 56, verse 2, and here again, and many other places. They were using the Sabbath for their own benefit, a financial profit. The Sabbath was made for rest after the order of creation. One out of seven days. Six days' work, one was to just meditate on God and to reflect on His goodness. It goes back to Exodus 20, verse 8 through 11, Leviticus 23, 3, and other portions of Deuteronomy. Yet they had ignored it. Their motive was financial gain. The Sabbath was the covenant made with Israel, by the way, not with the church. A lot of times the church gets hassled by Seventh-day Adventists. Listen, the Sabbath day, God made with Israel. That's a covenant with Israel forever, not the church. And by the way, the Sabbath is Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. So when people who are legalistic or religious tell you, why do you guys worship on Sunday, not Saturday, the Sabbath, Make sure that they're practicing sundown to sundown, and they can't do anything, and they can only walk a quarter mile, and they have to keep all the law, which I doubt if they do. Jesus is our Sabbath. Jesus said that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In Mark 2, 27, when the Pharisees entrapped him and his disciples as they were walking through the wheat field, and they grabbed some wheat and rubbed it, and they were going to eat it. And Jesus said, listen, the Sabbath was made for man to benefit man. Not for man to be a slave to it. And he says, did you not read of David? He went to the temple and took of the holy bread and ate. Human need rises above any ritual or any law when the human need is there. If there's a need. But he's our Sabbath. He has fulfilled. He's Lord of the Sabbath. We rest in him, as Hebrew says. Notice he says, and call the Sabbath a delight. The whole day of the Lord, honorable. The Sabbath was to be a day of delighting themselves in the Lord's goodness. The Sabbath was to be a day of honoring Him. People don't honor the Lord today. Sunday is usually thought as a day of recuperation before you go back to work. The Sabbath was to be a day of meditation and fellowship with God. To think of his goodness and all that he's done. And Lord, what would you have me to do? And shall honor him, not doing your own way, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, obeying the word completely, obeying even when it costs the person, obeying without compromising, not reasoning the day away, justifying it through disobedience. Because liar sure can't figure, right? <laughs> Everything's fine as long as it doesn't cost me. But as soon as it does, then I say, Well, you know, I mean, you know, God knows, and then you <laughs> I have to be careful. Now, notice, secondly, here, verse 14 they would receive honor from God in obeying the Sabbath. He charges them what has made a man, and now he gives a solution. Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord if they obey. And I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth. They would enjoy the abundance of the land. They would rule the land. Right now they weren't. They weren't enjoying the abundance and they were ready to go into captivity. And feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father. The promised covenant made to Jacob was to be what? Their God. To be their God. The promised covenant made to Jacob was to give them a land for the land and the people go together. God gave the land to the people of Israel. It belongs to them. Don't don't let anybody else tell you anything different, okay? You cannot separate the people and the land. They are one. And then he finishes by saying, The mouth of the Lord has spoken. The promises are not dependent on man, but God. Nehemiah warned the people and dealt with them after the captivity to keep the Sabbath. In chapter 10, you can read it of Nehemiah in chapter 13. And he leaned over the wall. He says, if I find you there again, I'm going to lay hands on you. I'm going to knock you out. I like Nehemiah, man of action. Because he knew why they had gone to captivity. And here they are again. Nathan the prophet declared to David, David, you have caused the enemy of God to blaspheme God, to dishonor God. You have dishonored God. The church is to meet on the first day of the week, honoring the Lord, not forsaking the gathering of the saints as the manner of some is, Hebrews 10, 25. Even back then, people were already forsaking the gathering of the Lord as the body of Christ. We are to do it consistently. We are to do it faithfully. We are to do it loyally. We are to do it prayerfully. You need to pray, Lord, what church would you have me to go? And then you be faithful. Now, a good indicator is you're being fed, not entertained. Number two, there's ministry opportunity for you to get involved. Two key things. And then commit yourself there. Not sporadically. You make sure you're committed somewhere. God will show you. And you'll be obedient. Have you noticed that all Little League games and Pop Warner on Sunday now? There was a time when nothing was done on Sunday, stores closed on Sunday. Not anymore. It's in your face, God, now. The world is anti-God and anti-church. They're saying church and God is not important. Now, you get to say amen or no by your life. No other way. The benefit of obedience is outrageous. 1 Samuel 15, 22 is to obey is better than the sacrifice than to hearken to the fat of rams. Meaningful fellowship with God, you and him. Ministering to others, God through you, and maturing in the faith, progressing. Wow. Real simple. Here's the principle. Those that honor me, I will honor them. Those that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. First Samuel 2.30. Do you know when that was said? God told little Samuel when he was in the temple, you go tell Eli, I'm going to wipe out his family, and I'm going to kill his two sons. You know why? Because he honored his sons above God. And the sons were involved in sin, ripping the offerings off, laying with the women in the tabernacle, and he never restrained them. He didn't confront them with sin. Mm, What a warning to all of us. This was a consternation at their sin. God has used Isaiah the prophet to warn the people of God to call them to true righteousness and not be self-deceived characterized by the confrontation of their sin the correction of their sin and the consternation at their sin Mm. That we have the boldness to confront to point to the correction and to communicate that what is going on is not pleasing to the Lord, or to me
0: if I'm a Christian. Hmm.
1: The sin of pretense
0: is not good. Pastor Xavier Reese with a final challenge to confront any sinful attitude of our own worship of the Holy God. Today's message, titled The Sin of Pretense, is available on CD for just $4. If you weren't with us last time, you'll want to hear the study in its entirety, I'm sure. And as a matter of fact, there's even more material than our limited broadcast time allows us, so all the more reason to contact us for a copy. Now once again, the title to ask for is The Sin of Pretense, or simply mention today's date. You can request yours by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you mention the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us with our stewardship of this outreach. Then tell a friend and join us for more Simple Truths and the Hope of the Gospel with Pastor Xavier Reese next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com